Welcome to Bethel Christian Fellowship, House of Prayer for All Nations, where all nations are at home with God. So let me pray as we begin to look at God's Word. Lord, we thank you as we come to your Word for what you have told us about yourself. Thank you for who you are, and thank you for telling us who you are in your Word, in your actions, in history, in our time. We ask you to show yourself to us now in this moment, together. Amen. <clears throat> so, we've been talking about terrible times here at Bethel Christian Fellowship, and last time we talked about what do we do in terrible times. We talked about some of the losses. Um, we have loss of control. We have loss of connection. We have loss of meaning. We feel like we are losing some control. Um, and I want to talk about that specifically. I, I had a discussion. In Tanzania, people tend to adapt to things and fit into things because they realize that they really don't have that much control. In America, there's a tendency to take control and feel like we can fix things and make things happen. So we, so I was trying to explain this in a class in Kenya. And uh, so one of the African students was saying, well, I, I still don't understand what you're trying to say. And, and then finally he said, oh, you mean the illusion of control? And I said, yes, as Americans, we have the illusion of control. And so really what we've lost through COVID-19 and what's been happening is the illusion that we were in control. The illusion of the meaning that we had given to our lives. The illusion that we knew what was going to happen tomorrow. James says, don't plan tomorrow because you can't say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to make business and the stock market's going to go up because we don't know that. Only God knows what's happening tomorrow. Only God has control. Only God has the true purpose and meaning of what is happening. So, I want us to think about uh, what is happening. Last time I suggested that the question is, if we have losses, what could we gain? What kind of things could we gain? You see, if I'm fighting for all the things that I've lost, is there another possibility? Is there another thing that I could do? Instead of fighting, could I follow? Could I surrender? Let's talk about that. Um, but last time we talked about... Um, what we've lost, and I, in fact, I want you to pause the video now and just think about what losses are you feeling now. If you're with a family, I'd like you to uh, just think about what losses you're feeling. I gave a few suggestions, but everybody's got different experiences. Are there some things you're losing right now or you've lost recently? Take a pause, think about that, write them down or talk about them. Or just think about what have you lost in this time. Now that you've thought about that, I want us to come back and I want you to uh, consider 
how do we respond to that? And Max Licato said something that stuck in my mind. He said, when people go through terrible times, he's noticed the ones who do well do two things. They focus on the character of God, who is God, and they connect with God's people, and they stay connected to God's people. So I want us to think today about who is God. And one of the things we can know about God is that he is, God has power. And God is present. And God has a purpose. So God, if it's about me, so the real question is, who is who is king? If it's me, then I have lost control. I have lost connection. I've lost meaning. I've lost all these things. And now the king is gone. Now, if, Or it could be somebody else. It could be the hospitals. It could be the, the economy. It could be um, who or what are you depending on to give you these things? But if God is king... If he is the just king, then if he has power, if he's present, if he has a purpose, then I don't have to be so concerned about all that I've lost. Maybe instead of fighting, I could follow him and say, you know what? You have power in this situation. Your presence is with me and your purpose is going to be fulfilled. I want to be aligned with your purpose. Now, there are a lot of things we do to try to maintain control. And I'm going to read a story. I want the story I'm going to read is, is in uh, 1 Samuel 4, 5, and 6. You might want to turn to 1 Samuel 4, 5, and 6. You can pause the video again if you want to do that. We want to ask that question, who is God? In fact, I want you to pause the video right now and ask yourself, what do you already know about who is God? What is he like? What does he feel? What does he feel about you? What do you know about God? Pause the video and take that time to think, who is God and who is God for me and in this situation? Whatever your situation is. Got the video paused? Let's come back. And... Um, I want us to look at this situation. I want us to specifically ask, who is God in this situation? Now, 1 Samuel 2, it had already said this. He, he was talking about Eli and his sons were doing bad things. And he says, you know what? I will honor those who honor me, God says, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. So honoring God is about making him who he is honoring how great he is, his power, and who he is. But they were not doing that. They were taking the sacrifices and messing with the worship and uh, messing with the girls at the tent, and they were doing all kinds. And Eli was supposed to fix that, but he didn't. And so something happened that came on. So the Israelites in chapter 4 went out, and they had an attack, and they, the Philistines they had a fight with the Philistines, and the Philistines, they were defeated. 4,000 people were killed, and it was a tragedy. And you know what they said? They asked this question, 4, in verse 3. Why did Yahweh allow us to be defeated by the Philistines? That 
was a good question. So a lot of us are saying, what is the makeup of COVID-19? That's not bad. Should we open? Should we not open our businesses? What could we do? How is this? We're asking a lot of things. Why did this happen? Why are we doing this? Is it, is it the Republicans' fault, the Democrats' fault, or the, or the Chinese' fault? Who, what is going on? But they asked the right question. They said, what is the Lord doing? But there's one question they didn't ask. When you want to know what God is doing, who should you ask? Probably God, right? They didn't say, God, why are we having these difficulties? And to be honest, a lot of us aren't asking that question. Even if, if we get to asking, what is God doing? A lot of us aren't asking, God, what are you doing? One of the important things we talked about last time was, how could I turn to you? Is there something I should confess, I should repent of, I should turn to you? And so they could have asked, how could we turn to you? They could have asked, how could we trust you? And that's one of the, that's one of the uh, things we talked about last time. We talked about turning. We talked about trust in God. We talked about thanking. Now, my question is, who are you, tu- who are you turning to? Who are you trusting? Who are you thanking? In your situation, it could be that you're thanking God, or it could be that you're trusting something else or someone else. Who are you really trusting, thanking, or turning to? I'd encourage you to pause the video and think about that one. Who are you really trusting? So, last time I talked about a uh, an example of a uh, 20s, 30s teen uh, son or daughter living with his parents, her parents, and uh, being kind of, you know, too chill, and uh, just upset when the fridge isn't full, and the car doesn't have gas in it, and they have to clean up their room. What's going on? They don't really, yeah, I'll get a job someday, whatever. So, um, I, as I thought about that, now, by the way, when I played that video, my son, who happens to be living with me for a few weeks, said, Dad, are you talking about me? No, I was not talking about my son. In fact, he, uh, I must say, he planned some menus. He went shopping. He made some lasagna and some cookies and some chapatis along with his sister, Rachel. So very impressed, as well as applying for jobs and doing his, job, doing his work online, his studies. He's finishing up. And so it was not about my son. And you know what else? He was in contact with me. And so was my daughter, Rachel. And we have dinners together and we've cooked together and we've been going for some runs together. We've been um, getting outside together. It's been a lot of fun to have them around. Now, why would this other hypothetical person um, not be hanging out with his father? Why? You see, it seems to me that some of us pretend like God is the old man you know, my old man, he's, he stays upstairs, you know, but this part, this part of the house is mine. You know, I, in fact, I don't even know if he's up there anymore. He's just kind of doing his thing. We don't acknowledge his presence. We don't acknowledge his power. And we don't understand his character. Because if we knew that he's a great guy, like my son knows about me, then we would want to spend time with our father or our mother. Because they're great people. And so if we knew God's heart and his power, 
and who he is, we would be wanting to connect with him, getting into his power and doing what he wants. That would be amazing. We would know what God is up to, his character, his heart for us. And that would change how we, we would be happy to turn to him. We'd be happy to trust him. We'd be happy to thank him because we know who he is. And we would not be trusting, thanking others. So, um, I want us to take a look at this story. So that was the question they made. Then they said this. Who do, why did Yahweh allow us to be defeated by the Philistines? That was the first question. Then they said, let's bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Yahweh from Shiloh. If we carry it into battle with us, it will save us from our enemies. It will save us from our enemies? You see, they thought that they could control, they could get their control back if they just brought God along on their project, their purpose. They made magic, was what they were trying to do. They were trying to manipulate God. Now, we talked about this last time. There's really two ways we can manipulate God, I think. When it comes to healing, for example, when it comes to his disease, we can do two things. One is, we can just never ask. First of all, a lot of you know, people don't even think about God. In this whole, you know, watch the news and you won't hear anything about what God is doing. But even for Christians, we cannot ask. We can say, oh God, please help the doctor to be wise and help his hands and, and help them and help the... We do everything but ask God to heal somebody. I'd encourage you, ask God to end this COVID-19 thing. To take it away from us. Be gracious. And let him pick how he's going to do it with a vaccine or the summer or he's just going to do it. God has power to do that. He's not doing it. I'd like to know what his purpose is in that so far. But let's ask him, your will be done, Lord, but would you do that? So, one way is that magic way. One way is to not ask. The other way is to bring the ark and get magic. Say Jesus' name loud enough. Read Psalm 91. Do the right thing and the if and the then we talked about last time. If I call out to God, humble myself and fast and pray, then God will have to do what I want. And that's not how it goes. So it is about what happened. Now, I want to tell the rest of the story from a different vantage point. I would like to introduce a, a, a 3,000-year-old guest, uh, a Philistine who happened to be at the place. So if you would invite uh, this Philistine to speak to you, that'd be great. And in the meantime, think about what does he know about God? What do you know about God? And what difference does it make? So, we, as the Philistines, we were excited because we had beat up on those, those Israelites and they were our enemies always. They were always in our way. So, we had beat them up. But then, you know what happened? Then they, we, there was this huge cry from the Israelite camp and we were like, what is going on? So we sent some spies over. You know what happened? They had, they had brought this box. But it, it, was, it was, it was this box, or they called it an ark for some reason, but the box that was supposed to be where their gods were. And we were like, oh no, their gods are here? We know about those gods. They, they freed them from Egypt and they, they, wiped out Pharaoh, and Pharaoh was like resisting, but it, it just round Pharaoh in the dust until nothing. So we were like, oh no, oh no, the gods of Israel are here. And so we were so scared. We were in such a panic. But then we said, you know what? Fight! 
Because otherwise you're going to be slaves to the Israelites and their God. So you better fight. So we fought. And you know what happened? You won't believe it. We won. Our gods won. And we were better than the Israelites and their God. And that was so great. So we, we, we were so excited. In fact, we captured their box with that their God. I mean, it wasn't really a God. It wasn't really an idol like we had in our camp, but it was a place where uh, God sat, I guess. And so we brought it into the temple of our God to say, here, here, Dagon, you are superior to this other God. And you know what? The next morning, our idol, our God, was flat on his face, bowing down to the box, to Yahweh, their God. And then, um, so we set him back up, um, you know, to help him, help him stand up again. And, and, uh, and then we started getting sick, too. And, and the next morning, he was flat on his face, but this time his arms and his hands were broken off. And, and we were like, oh, no, are, are you, this is terrible. What's going on? So we, so we sent the box someplace else. Um, to one of the other cities, and and and, and then they got sick, and they were, I, I don't know which you, which you'd call them as these tumors. I don't know if you'd call it cancer or bubonic plague. The I don't know, but it was terrible. It was spreading everywhere, and so finally we asked our diviners and priests. We said, "What what can we do?" And they said, "You need to honor Yahweh because He is more powerful than our gods. You need to send that box back and and send a some gold." things with it to honor God and, and ask, beg for forgiveness. And so we said, okay, well, and, but let, we'll figure it out. So we'll take a cow that has a calf, which is, of course, it'll be want to be by, and we'll put it in the cart. And, and then, uh, you know what happened? The cow just ran right away from its calf and took that cart into Israelite territory. Those cows went off and they, and we were so relieved to be, uh, have that God or box that the God sat on um, out of our territory because the presence of Yahweh among us was terrifying. It was terrible because he was bringing diseases and he was bringing um, <clears throat> all of his power. And our gods had no power. And um, I, I, we got him out of there. And, and we, but the one question I thought of, I, I, I was wondering, well, could I go with them? Because... How is this God not able to help them? And yet, he's so powerful that he decimates our gods and he's more powerful and he, he controls health and sickness and made us all sick. And why can he be so powerful and yet the Israelites are not? He's not defended them. I didn't understand, but I, I wished I could follow a God that was that powerful instead of my God that was falling on his face in front of him and couldn't keep me healthy. Um, but that was, I didn't understand. Who was Yahweh? So my 3,000-year-old friend asked an important question. Who is Yahweh? Who is, is he just like any other God? Isaiah chapter 40 says this. Chapter, verse 6 says, A voice said, Shout! I asked, What should I shout? Shout that people are like the grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in a field. 
The grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the breath of Yahweh. And so it is with people. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintop. Shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Yahweh is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. Yes, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. This is a message for Isaiah to the people in captivity. You see, the people in captivity, he was planning ahead for when they would be there. They would need that comfort that God was coming. He had not been defeated. They had had a big time out. That's what Hannah called the exodus or the exile was a big time out from God. Somebody just in the Minnesota prayer breakfast said the same thing. It seems like God's told us to go to our rooms and think about what we've done. We're all in our rooms thinking about what we've done and thinking about who could get us out of this. Let's read how it goes on. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of Yahweh? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has Yahweh ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? God knows what is good. Does someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? You see, it seems sometimes like we say, you know, I couldn't believe in a God like that. He's not just. He's not good. Like we get to tell God what's good, what's just. We get to set the standard for what God can do, can't do. He knows what is just. He defines what's just, what's good. And he has the power to carry it out. And it says, no. Did someone teach him what's right or show him the path of justice? No, for the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. All the wood in Lebanon's forest and all Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. The nations of the world are worth nothing to him. In his eyes, they count for less than nothing. Mere emptiness and froth. As we run around with this COVID craziness, he's like, it's just emptiness and froth. To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Or if people are too poor for that, they choose at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. What images, what idols, what other things are we depending on? Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God? The words he gave before the world began, are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth, the people below him like grasshoppers to him. He spread out the heavens like a curtain, makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world. He brings justice and brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root when he blows on them and they wither. The wind carries them off like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asks the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created the star, all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. We get amazed at the universe, but he made it all. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? God sees your troubles. How can you say God ignores your rights? He does what is right. 
Have you never heard? Have you never understood? Yahweh is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weary or weak. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. So if you don't have control or power, you can depend on him. Because it says even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. In this situation, when the gale force winds are blowing and the mountains are there that you cannot climb, he is the one who can give you wings to soar and the winds can carry you. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. That is what our God can do if you are following him. Psalm 27 gives another picture of when you align yourself with his purposes and his power and in his presence, it's not a terrifying thing. Because you're following instead of fighting. Psalm 27 says this. That power when it's working for you is a totally different thing. Yahweh is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? Yahweh is my fortress protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? We do not need to be afraid in this time. Because God is our fortress. He's protecting us. Whatever his purposes are, are good. And he will fulfill them. When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfection and meditating in his temple. For he conceals me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising Yahweh with music. You see, he sees himself on a high rock, his enemies unable to touch him, whether that's viruses or fighters. And what does he want to do? He wants to meditate on the Lord's presence. So when I thought about this, I thought about why... Is it that we do or don't want to turn to trust and thank God? And I thought, you know, God, we need to be glorifying him because he's gracious. I want you to think about something. When we just did that uh, talk to our Philistine friend, did you notice how gracious God was? Yes, he was causing sickness but he was also calling to them, wooing him, saying, you don't have to fight me. You could follow me. He was showing he was present. He was showing his power. He was showing his purpose. And some of the nations around Israel came and learned to follow Yahweh, especially when the Israelites were following Yahweh themselves. You see, God was gracious to show them that their gods were not real gods. They were just idols. God is being gracious to us by making our idols fall down. Even allowing sickness can be 
a sign of compassion and discipline to turn us to that which we need. You see, we need to love God, glorify God, honor God, know God. The Westminster Catechism says, the chief end of people is to glorify God by enjoying God forever. As it says here, delighting in the Lord's perfection. I want to, one thing I seek most, he says. So what is it that causes us to turn and trust and thank God? It's when we treasure God. When we treasure God, when we delight in him, when we know who he is, when he is our greatest joy, he becomes our treasure. So I want to ask you, what is it that you treasure? We've acted out here another time when Jesus said somebody stumbled on a pearl of great price and sold everything. Somebody else, a hidden treasure, and they sold everything with joy because of that treasure. God is that treasure. Do you treasure him? And let me ask you a question also. Do you treasure his family? Do you treasure his people? As Max Licato said, focusing on the character of God and also connecting with the people of God. So I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians 11 at this point. Um, just so you're tracking with us here. Um, 1 Corinthians 11, 17 to 34. We're about to have communion together. So if you have, uh, if you want to take a minute and go get some, uh, some kind of bread, um, an unleavened wheat thin in this case, uh, some grape juice, um, we're going to have that together. So 1 Corinthians 11 is what we often read during this time. I want us to read it again, but I'm going to read the whole context. But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. Now, Paul is saying this because they were meeting for communion, but they were also meeting together for a meal. And the church was meeting together, but something was happening. And something is happening among us right now. Um... I'm going to make a little comparison. So first, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent, I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. He's kind of mocking them there. When you meet together, you're not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you, hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. So what has happened is they were having a meal together. But the slaves and the poor couldn't get off as early as the rich. So the rich bought their big potluck and they had pretty much finished it by the time the poor got off work and could join them. So the poor only got morsels. And... Uh, the result was that some were shamed. And we often don't read this context. Um, 
I'm going to read through it, and then we're going to come back. But it says, For I passed on to you what I received from Yahweh himself, the Lord himself, Jesus himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me, to treasure me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. This is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. So this thing of God judging people with sickness, disciplining people with sickness, is not just an Old Testament thing. In fact, he says it was happening right here in the Corinthian church. Some people were getting sick. Some people were even dying because they weren't understanding the body of Christ, the body of Jesus, but also his people. They weren't honoring the body of Christ. They weren't honoring the poor in the body of Christ. They weren't honoring Jesus himself. He goes on, he says, but if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So I want you to notice things here. We, if we judge ourselves, if we examine ourselves, we do not have to be judged by God in this way. So I want you to take a minute to examine yourself. Ask yourself, how are my relationships with other people? How are my relationships with other people in the body of Christ? How are my relationships with other people in my family? In the family of Bethel Christian Fellowship. How are my relationships with people in the all nations family of churches, the eight congregations we have speaking seven languages where we meet together? We have an opportunity this time to take an offering. Last time, Pastor Jim talked about 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 where they shared an offering across international boundaries back from Asia to Jerusalem with those who were poor, those who were needy at the time. We're taking an offering this week for the All Nations Family of Churches because some of the congregations have lost a lot of jobs. Many in KCF have lost jobs, the Korean Christian Fellowship. Many in International Christian Fellowship, as many as 80% have lost their jobs. So some people are in extra need right now. So we have a regular benevolence offering that we take the first of the month to care for the needs in our body. But we're taking a special offering this time and making it for the needs of all in the All Nations Family and Churches because some are in special need at this time. And maybe God has blessed you in some special way. Maybe he's given you a stimulus check. or he's. Um, but maybe you just need to take some faith and say, you know what, I still have some extra food in my cupboard. And when we eat and drink together, it's not right when you're sitting around with your family that some people eat and some people don't. Some people only get crumbs. And it's going to have to go beyond this, actually, because this COVID-19 is spreading around the world and poor nations are going to really be hit hard. 
And if we let it go there, that virus is just going to mutate and come back here. So we can't like just clean up America and Europe and China and say we're good. But we're going to be tempted to just take care of our own backyard. Tempted to just make sure that I can eat and I have a job. We get worried enough about that. That I'm safe and I'm not sick and my family's not sick. He's telling us that we need to go beyond that. He's saying, brothers and sisters, think about the whole body and the whole family. He goes on and says, so my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you're really hungry, eat at home so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves when you meet together. I'll give you instructions about the other matters after I arrive. So he's saying, we don't want to shame other people who don't have. We want to bless them. And we found some great ways to bless them. And we're going to, this money is actually going to be going to the All Nations Family of Churches. And the All Nations Family of Churches and the leadership of each congregation are going to be deciding who most needs it. Because we trust them to know who is in the most need and when they need it and what they need. And so, um, as we eat and drink together, as you are right there, I hope you've gotten yourself something, some kind of bread, some kind of juice, something that we can eat together. And as we do that, I want you to think about the body of Christ, the whole of Bethel Christian Fellowship. We're going to be taking this together this weekend. The All Nations Family of Churches and the other churches throughout our city, our state, our nation, those in New York and other places that are, and also other churches around the world. I've been having calls with Tanzania and Kenya and other places and finding out how they're doing. There's challenges in each of those places because when they're shut down, they don't have like money in the bank. So we need to be caring for one another. And we have an opportunity this time with the All Nations Family of Churches to be the church. We'll have other opportunities. Thank you for giving to Bethel Christian Fellowship so we can continue to support missionaries and other things we're doing around the world. But now I just want to remind you that God is powerful. He's king. He was king on the cross. He is present. He's especially present when we are taking communion together. And he has a purpose. You may not know his purpose, but he has a purpose in your situation right now. And you can follow him and align with his purpose and feel his presence and have his power working for you. So now, let us remember his power, his presence, his purposes. Give thanks to God for it. So let's read it again. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, Paul said. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Thanks be to God who brings forth bread from the earth. We thank God for our daily bread. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is broken for you and which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. So now I encourage you to eat this together. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. He will come again. He'll wipe every tear from our eye. But we know that he is with us, even in this time, with his power with his presence. 
I pray that he'll be fulfilling his purpose in your life. Let's drink together. Lord, we are so grateful. We're so grateful that you were willing to suffer to take on our sufferings. Even though you had all power, you gave up that power so that you could be present with us, so you could fulfill your purpose, your purpose to die for us, so that you could be the God who is gracious and compassionate and yet does not let the guilty go, as you announced. You could show your unfailing love to thousands of generations. Thank you for showing your unfailing love by dying for us, even though we did not deserve it. You took our penalty. You forgave us. You freed us. And so, Lord, we want to live in your presence. We want to live in your power. We want to follow your purposes. We want to follow you, Lord. Help us to treasure you, to treasure who you are. Help us to treasure your family, to care for each other. Help us to honor you, glorify you, love you, love our neighbors in this week. Lord, we cannot do it without you. We need you and your presence, your power with us. Help us to fulfill your purpose in our life in this week. As you have changed up things for us, we ask that we would be following your purpose for us in this time. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for being with us, and may God bless you in this week. Be sure to give us a call, or if you have a need, contact the office. Um, And thank you for your time given to us in this time. I hope that God has met with you in this time. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Amen.